Oh, sorry. I didn't know how else to, to dispense that knowledge, but it looked important. <laughs> all right. Well, we got that taken care of. It takes us all. Isn't that great? <laughs> so today, if uh, we have new members class, so if you're, if you're new to the church or you're uh, thinking about joining the church or you're, you're just kind of interested in finding more out about us, then we have new members class at 4 p.m. It's uh, just right around the corner here. Pastor Mike and uh, Pastor Max are going to be leading that. So just come and find out uh, about that and what that looks like. Then we have the winter Bible study, which is kind of our associational um, Bible study. All the churches in town uh, come to it, and it's uh, over at... Uh, Hilltop Baptist Church, and it starts tonight and goes through Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. And it's taught by Dr. Fred Creason. It's about the life of Jacob, and those are always good to go to. Um, also, on tomorrow night, Monday night, our church's job is to bring the snacks. So um, if you can bring some sandwiches and, and cookies and things like that for afterwards, because, of course, Baptists can't study the Bible without studying food also. So uh, be a part of that if you can. Then uh, we're starting our outreach meeting, or ministry, our outreach ministry on uh, this Thursday. So we're going to be just going into the, the neighborhoods, uh, into the community with some Gideon Bibles and just some uh, in- invitations for people to come to our church. Um, we'll be doing that Thursday at uh, 5.30 p.m., starting right here at the church. So just come be part of that if you can. I know it's a, there's a degree of anxiety that goes along with that, but don't don't let yourself have anxiety. It's just incredible because the, the Spirit leads us to the houses we're supposed to go to and we knock on those doors and you find the people that didn't know they were waiting for you to come. And it's, it's always great. I, I love it. So come, come do that with us at uh, Thursday at 530. We'll start out here at the church and it uh, should be a good time. Then uh, lastly, we, we're doing these uh, food and fellowship dinner trios. Uh, three families will meet together over dinner once a month, and we'll do it for three months. And it's just a good time for people to, to get to know each other and get to know each other in the church. So out here, out in the hall out here is some sign-ups for that. So just sign up and uh, let God uh, expand your horizons and meet new people, and, uh, and it'll be a worthy investment if you'll do that. So hope you'll, uh, you'll be a part of that. Uh, we have a lot going on in our church, and we should really be thankful to see what God's doing among us. And I hope that if you're not plugged in somewhere, that you're just praying about where you need to be plugged in and, and uh, seeing what God has for you, because he's going to do great things through you if you let him. Let's uh, stand up and worship the Lord. God, thank you for bringing us here. Lord, don't let us minimize the greatness that it took, Lord, for you to die on the cross for us and come here and find us in our places where we were and lead us to your house, Lord, and lead us to your cross and lead us to your spirit, God, that is inside each one of us, Lord. And we know, Lord, that you have great things for us, Father. So I pray that as we stand here today on our feet, knowing that our great God has great things planned for us, that we would worship you and listen to you and obey your voice. I pray that we would. Amen. As we start this morning, take a look at these new posters we've got on the wall of our theme verse this year. and Just reflect for a moment on the fact that we once were not a people and we had not received mercy until our king came running. So let's rejoice in what he's done for us this morning.
Turn and greet one another this morning.
be seated. Man, you can get excited with that song. At least these guys really do, don't they? Anyway, God is good. We're just so happy to be worshiping God today together. We, we want to come to prayer today. And on uh, two, uh, Monday and Tuesday mornings, we, we have a roundtable time here at the church with our missionaries. Just a time to talk about missions and um, learn more. Uh, about what's going on. So we're looking forward to that this year. Um, also, Upward Basketballs, we're right in the middle of the season. Yesterday we had a lot of people here. And uh, keep praying for the gospel, that the gospel would go out. Uh, we're sharing Christ with these kids every week. And it's just a, a great thing. Just... Thank you for being a part of that if you're working in, in upward basketball. God is using that in a powerful way. Let's go to prayer. Father, thank you for today. Help us to really experience your joy every single day. You give us peace, contentment. You, you uh, bring us to our knees at times. Um, uh, we need you. We need you in everything we do. Father, thank you for the mission that you've given us with Upward. We just ask that you would uh, bless uh, our ministry, that as we share the gospel, hearts would be turned towards you, and that the Holy Spirit would bring new life to people that are dead in their sins. Father, we thank you for each one of those kids and for their parents. Father, thank you for the workers that so diligently uh, take their time to be a part of that ministry. Father, we also, as we begin our, uh, a Thursday night ministry of going out uh, into the streets, handing out Bibles and talking to people and sharing the gospel, I pray that that'd be an amazing time. I pray that you'd bring people out to do that every Thursday at 5.30. God, we just pray that you'd open doors to the gospel here in our own city. We love you. Thank you for Pastor Mike and his preaching today. Just following with Holy Spirit. And may your word be quick and powerful in our, our lives. And uh, may you get all the glory. Thank you also for the offering. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, if you'll come forward and those of you that was led and delivered these offering plates. Somebody better help Jacob out, though.
paid in full, all sufficient, and then with the down payment of the Holy Spirit. Let's rejoice in this living water we've been given this morning as believers. All right, kids. 
Time for the third grade and under to go to Super Church if they'd like to. And good morning to everybody. I'm glad you're here this morning. If you are new to College Heights, welcome. My name is Mike Cooper. I'm the senior pastor. Blessed to have you. Glad to have you. So take your Bibles, if you will, and turn over to Matthew chapter 20. We're going to continue to go through the book of Matthew. And man, I love to think about the Holy Spirit, that living water, right, that, that God has given us through Christ and our salvation to have this presence of God in the Spirit, the one that guides us and blesses us and protects us and helps us. And, you know, I had a, I had a pretty interesting week last week. I, I have interesting weeks every now and then, but, but I, had, I had something happen earlier this week. And I'll just be honest with you, I just got downright mad. I know it's kind of shocking, you know, I'm supposed to be this pastor guy, but man, I just got mad and uh, pretty smoking mad. And, you know, I came back to the church and I just got on my knees and I was just like, Lord, that's not who I want to be. It's not who you want me to be. I don't, I don't have any desire to be that guy. And, and I just prayed and I prayed for a long time because I needed to. And, and God was so gracious to me, worked me through some things or reminded me of some things or remind me of who I'm supposed to be and be reminded that I'm not immune to, you know, things that, that aren't very nice. And uh, it was just good, you know. But the sweet thing about having the presence of Christ in your life is that he, he calls you to stand up and to keep walking and to love more and to be courageous and and he gave me plenty of opportunities after that to, to just walk with him and to rejoice in, in his goodness. And so uh, I hope we don't take that for granted, right? We have God in us if we are saved, if we know him. And that's amazing. That is sufficient, isn't it? So praise the Lord. Well, we're going to look at verses 29 through 34. Uh, let's go ahead and read that. And I want to go back a little bit and, and, and rehearse some things. So let's, Matthew 20, 29 through 34. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him, and two blind men were sitting by the road, and hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd sternly told them to be quiet, but they cried out all the more, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. And moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's so good to be here this morning. You're worth our time today. Yes, we had to get up, and we had to get dressed, and we had to prepare to come to church today, and and sometimes there's uncomfortable things and, and time restraints or time conflicts or whatever that might be. But it's so good to be here, Lord, because you're so worthy of our worship. You're so worthy of our love. You're so worthy of our faithfulness. And Lord, we need you so much. We just need you. We need you to speak to us today. We need you to help us today. <coughs> we, we need you, Lord God, to reveal yourself to us today Lord, there's, there's people here that have never trusted you. They, they don't know what it means to be forgiven. They don't know what it means to have a relationship with God. They don't know what it means to have eternal life. And Lord, they need you. But all of us that know you, we certainly need you. So we pray you'd speak today 
and we'll give you thanks for it. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we come to this, <coughs> what I consider to be a pretty simple little passage. It's not, it's not complex. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to, be, to know how to convey it to you. But, but it's, it's like a culmination of these last few chapters and how Christ has been teaching us and how Christ has been showing us some things that are, that are pretty shocking, if you want to know the truth. Because, man, when we think about God and we think about his kingdom and we think about his ways, they're not like ours. And, and how to respond to God and how to relate to God and how to live for Christ after we know him is not like the world would expect, right? So I'm going to go back and just kind of review a few things that he has already taught us. If, and we're not going to go read it all, but, but back in Matthew 18, 1 through 3, the question was among the disciples, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus brings a little child and sets them in front of him and says, unless you are converted and become like children, you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven. It's pretty shocking because most of us are trying to figure out how we work our way into heaven in our self-sufficiency or in our intelligence or in our godliness or in whatever our influence. But Jesus is like, no, no, if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you have to become like a child. Matter of fact, you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven until you become dependent and needy on me, Right? So then in chapter 18, verses 21 through 35, uh, Peter had come up to Jesus and asked him, Lord, how many times do I need to forgive a guy who sinned against me, a brother who sinned against me, you know, up to seven times? And Jesus is like, no, seven times, 70. And, and so then Jesus tells this great story of this man who'd been forgiven this insurmountable debt by the king and who wouldn't forgive his brother just a small debt. And literally, he ends the, the parable saying, and my father who's in heaven won't forgive you if you don't forgive those who sin against you. And you think, wow, Lord. I mean, honestly, God is, and his ways are so much different than our ways. And we actually sometimes read things like that and think, there's no way God expects us to keep forgiving the person that intentionally sins against us and mistreats us until we realize that that person is actually us in our relationship with God, and that's what he's doing and has done for us through Christ, right? So God calls us these contradictory ways as opposed to the world. In Matthew 19, 13 through 15, it's little children again. The people are bringing their children to Jesus, and the disciples are saying, no, don't bother the teacher. And Jesus says, man, don't hinder the little children coming to me because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he's reminding us again, it's, it's the, it's the needy, it's the, the weak, it's the dependent that are free to come to him. It's not the great, glorious, strong, independent ones. It's the ones that need him. And then we look in uh, Matthew 19, 16 through 22, and we read about this rich young ruler that comes to Jesus and he says, what good things must I do to inherit eternal life or obtain eternal life? And Jesus says, it's easy sell everything that you're depending on that's not me and come follow me. That's really what he said, right? Get rid of everything you're trying to depend on that's not me and then come depend on me, right? That's how we have eternal life. We go through Jesus. It's, it's not all this stuff that so many of us, even as Christians, make it about, right? We are not 
going to enter the kingdom of heaven, stand before the living God, find acceptance in life in him apart from Jesus Christ. We're going to stand in him and be acceptable or we're not. That's it. And that's shocking to us because we think it ought to be more because quite honestly, we're pretty proud of us. You proud of you? Think a lot about what you can get done on your own? It's not that you can't, but you can't be acceptable to God like that. Well, he goes on and teaches us even more about the ways. In Matthew 20 through 1 through 15, we read about the landowner, right, that went out at 6 o'clock and hired some guys to go into his vineyard and went out at 9 in the morning and noon and 3 in the afternoon and 5, hired them all to go out in the vineyard and told his foreman to start paying the guys from the last to the first. The guys that worked for an hour, he gave the same pay. He gave the guy who worked all day long in the sun. And of course, like all of us, those guys got mad. That's not fair, right? We worked harder. We worked longer. And the landowner was like, look, I gave you what I told you I'd give you. I'm not being unfair to you. And if I want to be generous, what is that to you? And, and really what God is saying to us in that is it's not about how much you've done. It's not about how, again, how good you are, how you've persevered. He said, man, I am gracious to all. The only way we come into the kingdom of heaven is by the grace of God. That's it. And so once we have that grace of God, we should be thankful God gave it to us. Amen. And not fuss. If somebody gets saved, you know, much, much later than we do, and they get the same salvation we get. Man, it was, it was so awesome. I probably told this story, so if, I, if you've heard it, so be it. But this awesome, big, wild, rough, kind of harsh guy, uh, I had the chance to share Christ with him. He got saved, and, and all kinds of crazy things happened. He fell about 40 feet and didn't die, but bro- broke so many bones in his body. And, and right after that, he got saved, and and uh, God just really radically changed his life. I, I don't know many guys that responded to Christ like this guy has. But one day we were just working at the church, repairing some stuff, building some stuff. And I look over and this guy, he's probably 6'2". He's probably 280. He's strong as a horse. He's over there crying. And I'm like, John, why are you crying? <laughs> he goes, well, I'm sitting here Listen to you guys talk about all that God has done in your life. And he says, and all I can say is that I can't believe I didn't get saved until 55, 58 years old. I forget what he was. And he was sincere. He's like, I, I've missed so much. And he's just weeping. I said, John, quit crying, man. Aren't you thankful for what God's done in your life today? And if you are, then let's go. Let's keep walking, right? But how, isn't that awesome when somebody actually realizes, you know, those of you that were saved younger for a long time, you've had more blessings <laughs> than what I've had so far. But I told Jonathan, no, you get them all too, right? All of them. So Jesus is talking about contradictory things rather than earning it and working for it and, and feeling good about it. He's like, you should feel good about it all the time if, you're, if you know Christ. And then we, we looked at Matthew 20, 17 through 19, and, and Jesus talked about the fact that he was going to go to Jerusalem, right? The Lord of glory. 
He tells his disciples, I'm going to go. I'm going to be handed over into the hands of the religious leaders. They're going to put me into the hands of the Gentiles. They're going to crucify me. And, and he's told them before, I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be spit on. I'm going to have the beard pulled out of my face. I mean, I am going to be abused. And then they're going to crucify me. And I'm going to rise again on the third day. And man, even the disciples were still struggling. How can that be? How can the Son of God, how can he go through that suffering? Doesn't a Savior look different than that? Shouldn't a Savior be more glorious than that? Shouldn't a Savior, right, control everything? Well, God's ways are different than our ways. And then... Last week, we, we talked about how James and John's mother came and asked Jesus if he would grant her sons to sit one on his right and one on his left, and, and the other disciples got all mad because they wanted the same thing. And Jesus ended this by calling them together and said, look, the world lords their authority over those under them, but it's not this way with you. If you're going to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you've got to be a servant and you've got to be a slave. And when we put that all together, man, we're talking about what Jesus is saying about what it means to be saved. To be saved, you've got to come humbly. You've got to come with needs. You've got to come depending on him. You don't have to come with all your answers. You don't have to come with all your strength. You don't have to come with all the understanding. You can't. Come and put your faith in Jesus. And once you know Jesus, it's not about what you can do and about how great you are and about how hard you work. It's about being a servant. It's about being a slave. It's about giving your life for the good of somebody else. It's actually about following Jesus because that's what he said he was going to do, right? So now when we begin to talk about the kingdom of heaven, we begin to talk about what the church should look like. The church isn't about being so powerful in their flesh that they put people down and they, they overcome people. Man, the church is about being so powerful in Christ Jesus that they love people and they serve people and they give themselves away for people. And you want to talk about a challenge. Now that's a challenge, because we're made to be proud and we're made to be selfish. And we got this flesh that flows through us that tells us we, we shouldn't be mistreated by somebody and we shouldn't ever have to go through hardships and we shouldn't ever have to sacrifice. But that's not from Christ Jesus. Quite honestly, that's from the liar. That's from the enemy. That's from the devil, right? Guys, we got to get this right. Our power comes through Christ. It comes through God working in our lives. It's not about us making things happen. And our salvation completely comes through him. And so now we come to this passage. This is kind of the last little passage in that segment, if you will, of the, of the gospel of Matthew. And we come to this last little passage. And it's super easy. But then we have to take into account of what's really happening here. Last week, we read that Jesus was getting ready to go to Jerusalem. This week, we read that he was leaving for Jerusalem. Now, so here's the setting. He's in Jericho. If you're actually going to get to Jerusalem from the east side of the nation of Israel in Jesus' day, that was the only road. So he's on the road. There's no doubt about it. If you read next week, we're going to talk about Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, the Sunday before his death. He's going to die on Friday. 
He's days away from his death. He knows it's coming. He's been telling him it's coming. He knows when he goes up this mountain road to Jerusalem that he is going to go to the cross. Now think about that. He is going to become our sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, But God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He's going to become our sin. Can you, can you fathom that? Can you fathom that on the Son of God, the glorious one, my despicable sins are going to be laid on him? And not just mine, but your despicable sin is despicable. I mean, it is, it is horrifyingly, I don't know, grotesque. I know we, we, we hate to talk about sin like that. But man, if we had a video of our sin that we could put on the screen, would we be appalled that someone else would have to see it? I would be. I would be. I don't mean a little appalled. It'd be horrific because it contained all my thoughts, all my words, all my deeds, all my shortcomings. But Jesus is about to become that for the sins of the world. And on that cross, he's going to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God's going to turn his back on Christ while he pours out his wrath on that sin. Jesus takes the punishment for our sins, the full punishment that you and I deserve upon him on the cross. And then he dies the death that we deserve in our place. Praise God, he knew he was going to rise on the third day, but trust me, right now at this point in time where we come to this passage, as his feet set sail for Jerusalem, the weight and the magnitude and the ugliness and the blessedness of what he is about to do for us is all over him. Man, this is no insignificant time in the life of our Lord. And so it says, and they were leaving Jericho, as they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Now, this is, this is a minor thing, but it's Passover time. It's one of the great high holy days in the year for the Israelites. It's a time where they remember where in Egypt, when God sent the death angel to take the firstborn of all Egypt, that they would take the Passover lamb, and sacrifice that lamb and take the blood and put it on the, the doorpost so that the, the, the death angel would not take their firstborn son. It would be a way of salvation. It was a great celebration of what God had done in their life and the love that God had displayed to them. So there are worshipers that are going up this mountain singing. They would gather from all over Israel and they would sing. And then there was these followers of Jesus that had been with him, and he's trying to tell them he's about to die, but they don't really understand it. And so there's this large crowd, and man, the confusion will be all over the place. Some of these guys are excited. Jesus is bearing the weight of the world on his heart and his mind. Some of these disciples are confused. They don't really know what's going on, but there's all this stuff going on, and, and all of a sudden we read of and two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was, was passing by, cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And, 
And all of a sudden, we are introduced to these two men that if you really want to know the truth, these guys are beggars. They're not beggars in my opinion. When you're blind and you can't work, you beg. And Mark's gospel tells us that they were beggars. So we know these are beggars. And they're sitting along the road because this is a busy road. If you're coming from Jerusalem to the east in Israel, you're going to go down through Jericho. If you're going to come from the east back up to Jerusalem, you're going to go through Jericho. This is a busy road. And so they're sitting there by the busy road because there's more people to beg from. But man, when I, when I think about these guys, you know, it's hard. It, it, I mean, it's just hard for me to think about these guys. Because if I were these guys, I wouldn't want to have to cry out. Right? I, I, my personality type is I don't really want to be noticed. I, I know I'm standing up here. That's because of Jesus. That's his fault. If it weren't for Jesus, I'd be in the back hoping nobody noticed me. And I'll be honest with you, if I was a beggar, I mean, I wouldn't want to be noticed too much either. I might be forced to beg because I need to eat, but it wouldn't be crying out. This isn't just going, hey, can you help me? or put a box out in front of you and sit there like you've seen people in the city. This is, help me, right, crying out. This is crying out. And there's this crowd around, and, and who wants to be noticed? I don't want to be noticed, but why? I mean, that's like, why would they want to be noticed? Well, because the Bible says they'd heard that Jesus was passing by. Now, that's pretty significant to me because I've, I've, seen, I've seen poverty. I mean, I've seen it uh, in places that I have been in this world. I've seen poverty uh, in Varna, Bulgaria. It's a tourist attraction town on the Black Sea in a very poor country. And there's just a segment of this city that's made for tourists, and it's opulent. I mean, it is opulent. People dress in clothes that I could never afford. And I mean, it's just this crazy place because if you walk behind the buildings, it's all poverty. And I've seen a guy in all that opulence. He didn't have arms from his elbow down. He didn't have legs from his knees down. And he's... He's laying on his face because that's the only way he can get around. And he has a box at the top of his head. So his face is down. He's got cardboard on his elbows and cardboard on his knees. And he's coming down the street like this with this box being pushed in his front of his head. Man, that's hard to see. I mean, that's hard to see. I don't care what you think you know about this world, when you see a beggar and they have to call attention to themselves, it's because they're desperate. They're desperate. They don't want to be there. They don't want to cry out. They don't want to be the 
the freak in the middle of the road that people are walking around is about as far a path as they can make around this guy because they don't know what to do with this guy. There's so many things that you get to see in this world that you realize, man, when you, when you talk about beggars in the Bible, they were hard to deal with because they make everybody feel uncomfortable. Matter of fact, in the Bible, if you were blind, people thought you were cursed by God. People thought if you had all that we have, health, wealth, plenty of food, that was a sign of being blessed by God. But if you were blind or you were lame, you were cursed by God. So here's these beggars. The last thing they wanted to do was cry out. I mean, the last thing they wanted to do was to have to be noticed to that extent. There's this huge crowd around and people want to focus on God and people want to focus on worship. They don't want to have to trifle with or be disturbed by broken people. And I, that same, that same trip to Varna, we had taken 10 college kids with us and we'd sent them down to the beach to do evangelism because we'd been training them how to do it. And, uh, and the other leader and I said, we were going to go stand in the square in the middle of Varna, Bulgaria, a pretty good sized city. And we were just going to read the Bible out loud. We're going to read the whole book of Mark out loud. And, uh, pretty amazing thing. All kinds of reactions. Thankfully I don't speak Bulgarian, so I don't know what they said. We had a couple of police officers come, drive up on their motorcycles and stop. And as I was reading, they stood about this far from me. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I had enough room to have my Bible, and they just stood there for probably 10 minutes. And I just talked to a pastor who got arrested for preaching the gospel in Varna just literally the day before. And I'm thinking, well, whatever. And then they left. Praise God. That was the easy part. You know what wasn't easy? It was the gypsy children that are everywhere who are hated. I mean, hated. Hated for being gypsies. I mean, I watch people punch them. I watch people kick them. I watch people spit on them. I've spent a couple of weeks in gypsy villages and man, people hate them and despise them. And so then we're reading the Bible. I'd read a chapter, he'd read a chapter. And here we're reading these chapters and these little gypsy children, girls and boys, man, olive colored skin, dark hair, dark eyes. They're standing below us going, beat me, beat me, beat me. And you go, how do you help all these people? How do you give to all these people? How do you make a difference? And we go to Congo and, these people don't eat every day. If they do eat every day, it's just boiled cornmeal. It's, it's not nothing for them. Sometimes they don't eat, and we see things like we take take extra clothes, use clothes, and they pull out a they pull out a shirt, and they bring a woman into the house, and they they show her the shirt, and she starts to cry. I mean, cry because we're giving her a T-shirt. My pastor that I work with, you sit down in his house and the rats run around your feet. 
Or they did for years until he found a cat. And then they don't. Because we're not, we're not talking about convenient people here. We're talking about the inconvenient people. We're talking about the people we don't want to deal with. We're talking about the people that, man, when they make a noise, they make us all feel uncomfortable, right? Because what do we do with these people? And I got to tell you, I, I have been many, many times where I wish I could just give and give and give and give, but I, I could give till I had nothing left and I wouldn't be enough for them. And these beggars know that. That's why they're crying out when Jesus comes by. They've heard about him. They call him Lord. They call him Son of David, which is Messiah, Savior. They're calling to him. We have the chance. We have the chance. This is our chance to cry out. We don't have another answer. We don't have another hope. It's not going to be these men or women that are going to give us some money. That's not going to be our hope. We're blind and we're helpless and we need a savior and we need a deliverer. And so they start to cry out. And then you read, and then you read in verse 31, the the crowd sternly told them to be quiet. But they cried out all the more. (laughs) What a picture. There's so many good things going on here. Don't bother us with your need. Don't bother us with the inconvenience. Don't make us see you. Don't make us deal with you because we can't help you. Guys, I mean, we honestly don't think things are quite this bad because maybe we've never come to that place where it's that bad. Sit with me or Pastor Max, or Pastor Aaron in Congo, where we have to pay for all the pastors to come for our training because they can't afford to even travel. And when we get there, we have to pay for all their food because they can't afford their food. Come sit with us sometime when they they separate us at lunch. And they put us in the pastor's house with the rats. But they put all the other guys in the church, which is right next door. They're actually connected. And they feed us fried chicken. And they feed us uh, chips, which are french fries. And they feed us cabbage. And they feed us, I feed us like we're Americans. And then you walk into where the pastors are. And they're eating nothing. Nothing. And they're thankful. And you go, these aren't inconveniences. These are people, right, that have needs. And when I travel to these places with people that have never been there before, they they come to me and they go, Pastor, can we leave all our clothes except the ones we have on? Yeah, leave it. Can we give money? Yeah, give it. You should, we should, we should care. We should see them as they are and want to make a difference in their lives. But we need to also hear and see that we are not their saviors, right? 
And we should never say to them, don't cry out. Man, this crowd wanted to shut them down because it's too hard to deal with that stuff sometimes because we're not the Savior. But they cried out all the more. And don't you love what they cried out? Have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy on us. It is the cry that we need to bring before the living God. It's the cry for God to give us what we don't deserve and for God to not give us what we do deserve. Have mercy on us. Lord, we're not coming to you deserving. We're not coming to you as if you owe us something. Lord, we're coming for you to do something in our lives that we don't deserve. We're praying for you to do something that we don't deserve. And I love that cry. I mean, I absolutely love that cry. You and I, man, how rare is it that we actually would want to cry out before the living God for him to do something in our life that we don't deserve, when in reality, that's exactly what we need every single day of our life. That's what we need every single day of our life. (coughs) But man, there's not much crying going on among American Christians today. There's not even much crying going on among lost people in our city today. Man, we don't believe that we even need God. As Americans, why would we need God, right? Supposedly, we've made it. Supposedly, we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. Supposedly, we've worked for all that we've had. We've gone to the education. We've done the work. We've gone to our jobs. We've earned our pay. Man, we don't need God. Why would we need God? We got all that we need. (coughs) Isn't that right? And our Savior is passing us by He's passing us by. We have the chance to see him near to us because he is near to us. We have the chance to cry out to him because we need him. But because we've convinced ourselves we are our own success, he's just walking right on by. Well, he cries out all the more, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And verse 32 The most shocking thing in the world happens. Jesus stops. And he calls them to himself. Think about that. I mean, think about that. He's leaving for Jerusalem. He knows he's about to become the sins of the world, the sacrifice for the salvation of the world. And he stops. There's never going to be a day when the Lord God Almighty won't find time to stop for us when we cry out. Never going to be a day. And I think about this as I prepare this sermon. I think, man, here's Jesus. He's got the weight of the world on him. He's focused. He's going to go to the cross no matter what anybody says or no matter what anybody does. He's not going to let them stop him. And he stops for these two men that people would say are insignificant, (coughs) And then I think halfway through my question, of course he stops. That's why he's going to the cross. Don't you understand? (coughs) 
He's going to the cross for people that can't save themselves, for people that can't heal themselves, for people that are desperate for him, for people that are like little children, like little children that know they need God and they come to him because they're broken, because they're needy, because they're dependent. Of course he stops. That's why he's going to the cross because he loves us. He cares for us. He wants to do in our life what we can't do for ourselves. Of course he stops. And don't you love what he says to them when he calls them to himself? What do you want me to do for you? Isn't that an incredible question from our Savior? Now, did Jesus know what they want? Yeah. He knew them before he formed them in their mother's womb. Jeremiah tells us he knew who they were. What he wanted was for them to tell him, I need you to give me my sight back. It's a step of faith that says, you're God and I'm not. You're healer and I'm not. You're savior and I'm not. I need you. It's confessing that you see him for who he is. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? You know, if I sat down with you today, and said, what are you struggling with? What are your needs? What are your hurts? There'd be some of us here this morning that would go, I don't have a need for God at all. I can't think of one single thing I need from God. And guys, I gotta tell you, that reveals more about your relationship than you want to know. Because you don't have breath in your body apart from Jesus Christ. You don't have a hope for another day apart from Jesus Christ. Whatever you have in your life is a gift from God. It's not from you. And yet so many of us have become so hard-hearted and so arrogant and so proud then when Jesus would say to us, what do you want me to do for you? You'd go, I'm good. And you'd be the biggest liar in the room. I don't know about you, but I'm desperate for him. Man, this world is rough. It's a battle. It's painful. I'm weak. I'm sinful. I have this tendency to want to be selfish, and I don't want that in my life. It's not going to be ever taken care of if I don't come to Jesus every day. Man, so many of us, I talk about it over and over and over and over all these years I've been here, over and over. Are you praying? Are you reading your Bible? And how many times do you look at me and go, oh, no, not really. I should be. I want to be. I could be. But we're not. Why not? Because we don't think we need him. We're not the beggars, right? We're not the outcasts. We're not the cursed. We're not the ones that they can't provide for ourselves. We got this thing, right? Man, I got crushed. I got crushed earlier. I just got crushed. 
Spiritually, I got beat down. And it happens. I'm glad it does. Because that's what I pray. Right? God reminds me, you're just a beggar, but you can come to me. You can cry out to me. You can hear me say, what do you want me to do for you? And I'll answer your prayer. And I went and did the exact same thing I did early in this week, at the end of the week. And God gave victory at such levels I couldn't do anything but give him praise. Same situation. Great big God. Very little man. What does God what does God give you the opportunity to do in your life that you say yes to or what do you say no to? What do you want me to do for you? When Jesus asked that question, we should have a list. Save me would be the first one. If you're here and you don't know Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the thing he wants to do most in your life is to be your Savior, to forgive you of your sins, to make you his child, to make you have a relationship with him that would be life in you where that living water would flow up and flow out of you and there would be joy unspeakable in your life. Man, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, listen to him say, what do you want me to do for you? And then you say, save me, Lord, save me. I can't save myself. Save me. But man, the rest of us, we have all kinds of them, don't we? Make me a godly man or a godly woman. Make me a godly husband or a godly wife. Make me loving. Make me kind. Make me forgiving. Make me generous. Make me patient. Make me strong. Make me wise. Can we go on and on? <clears throat> what do you want me to do for you? But he said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. And man, my favorite phrase in this whole passage is moved with compassion. Do you see the love of our Savior? He's not impatient. He's not judgmental. Oh, he is judge. But he's so willing to love on us and so willing to receive us and so willing to bless us when we cry out and when we ask, Lord, we want our eyes to be made open and moved with compassion. The Bible says he touched their eyes and they saw immediately. He touched them. I, that blows my mind that my Savior and my King, the Eternal One, would touch them because he loves them. And he'll touch us too. What a ridiculous thing we live in today that we actually, many believe that maybe we'll pray and God won't respond. He will respond. He will answer our prayers. Maybe he won't change our circumstance like we would like him to, but he will change our hearts and he will show his love and he will be enough for us. He will be sufficient for us. But we just gotta trust him. And man, when we don't pray, there's no faith in that whatsoever. But when we cry out and say, the Lord Help me. He touches us. And don't you love how this thing's end, this ends? They regained their sight and followed him. That's what happens, men and women. When Christ touches us, when Christ saves us, when Christ transforms us, we follow him. 
And we want to. I mean, we want to. The guy that had all the demons in him on the Gadarene side of the Sea of Galilee, the Gentile side. I mean, Jesus casts all the demons out of him. He's now in his right mind. He's clothed. He's amazed what God would do for him. And Jesus is about to leave. And this guy says, can I just go with you? And Jesus says, nope. You stay here and tell everybody you know what God has done for you. Is that following? Oh, you better believe it. You better believe it. And that's what we should do, amen? Why would we not? It's ridiculous to me how many people claim to be saved and there's not a shred of love in their life for Jesus Christ, not a shred of commitment to Jesus Christ. Guys, we ought to stop preaching this cheap gospel that says, hey, pray a prayer and you're gonna be saved. There's not one instance in the New Testament where somebody prayed a prayer and were saved. Not one. Not one. They all encountered Christ, and when they encountered Christ through the Holy Spirit or through revelation from God with the Apostle Paul or in the Gospels, they encountered Christ, and their lives were either rejecting him or they were following him. Man, salvation is this joyous encounter with a gracious God who when we say, Lord, help us, helps us, and the rest of our life is then his as we surrender all, right? Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. If he's Lord, man, you serve him, amen? Guys, I love this passage of scripture. It's simple. It's so simple that it's the most powerful because in this, the simplicity is this. Men recognize their need for Jesus and they weren't gonna be denied by hard-hearted, inconsiderate people. And they kept crying out until Jesus stopped and said, what do, want, what do you want me to do for you? Man, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, why not start crying out in your heart right now? Cry, cry out loud. Cry out. Let God hear you. Come to him and say, Lord, what I need from you is you forgive me of my sins and make me a part of your, of, your, of your body. Make me your child. Cry out. But if you're a Christian here, you have things to cry out about. I have things to cry out about. And the great thing is, is he's promised if I just cry out to him, if, if I just come to him, he will in no way cast me out. Man, are you trusting Jesus? If you're not, don't wait. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Let him, let him change your life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of it. Thank you for the joy of it. Thank you for the life in it. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you that when we come to you, you're willing to receive us. Thank you that when we cry out, you're willing to hear us. Thank you that you're never too busy to stop and call us to yourself. Thank you that you want to touch us. Thank you that you went to the cross, that you would die for our sins and that you would rise again on the third day so that we would know that you alone are Savior. And thank you, Lord, that everything is, that needs to be done has been done because of your death on the cross. Lord, save the lost here today. Give them life because you love them and help them find joy and peace and rejoicing in you, Lord God. Lord God, 
help me. And Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my hard heart. Forgive me of my my unwillingness to stand. Forgive me of my lack of courage. Forgive me for so many things, Lord. I need you. I need you. I need you to be in me what I can't be in. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Man, respond to Jesus. To them. And I cry out to Christ today. You have been our dwelling place. Oh,
Thank you, Lord God, for loving us. Thank you, Lord God, for grace. Thank you, Lord, that you would stop, take your time to minister to us as we cry out to you with our needs. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Pray to you bless these men and women and these boys and girls. Draw us all close to you, Lord God. Be merciful to those that are lost and draw them to salvation. Encourage us, Lord, that we might know you and that we might know the hope that we have in you and the strength that's available to us through Christ. And I pray to you bless us. And Lord, we love you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.